0: A lot of, bi- lot of big headline stories this week. Of course, we have the Toronto mayoral race still happening. Uh, we have <laughs> splitsies in Peel region. We have Mississauga and Brampton going their separate ways. Caledon somehow thrown in the mix there. And to help me break it all down is Anne-Marie Aikens, award-winning media and crisis communications coach. Good morning, Anne.
1: Good morning, Dan. It's really good to talk to you for the first time.
0: Likewise. I'm a big fan. I, 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 yeah, I've seen you on TV and watched you over the years. Pleasure Hello. to have you on.
1: I've listened to you too over the years.
0: So um, let's let's talk about, I guess, the the, the big Peel region thing. Um, so divorce is never easy, ever. <laughs> and I feel like Kaladin is like the negle- neglected kid left out in the cold. And Kaladin Mayer... Uh, Annette Grove says that she doesn't want any of this. Neither does Brampton, and she was hoping that she sticks with 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 Brampton. Um, is this a good move for everybody involved?
1: Well, Peel is a unique. Uh, it, it's a unique region because it's really only made up of the the three um, uh, city, communities. And over the years, since uh, Peel had become a regional government, it uh, and it makes sense regional governments when you have smaller communities because then you share your services like the police, like public health, like all of those big important public services. You share the cost. You share it. You know, it's that's just the it, it works better that way. But Peel is unique because Mississauga got so big. And, and then Brampton is following uh, close behind where, where Caledon, it's grown, but it's still a fairly small community. So, so pretty unique. Um, I come from um, Barrie, and so the Simcoe County, it's always had a regional mm-hmm. government. And every once in a while, and I think right now, they're a little afraid, like, oh, is that going to happen to us? How are we going to pay for all of these big? you know, services. So I I think it made people nervous. It made uh, some people want it, some people don't because they're uh, everyone benefits differently. And and figuring it out just like a divorce is really hard and probably very painful. And I do did feel for Kaladin right away, I thought like, who gets poor Kaladin? Right, um, because they aren't big enough to manage uh, those big services themselves. So, um, so I'm just glad I'm not uh, a, a a divorce mediator or a, this kind of mediator. That's <laughs> those are tough jobs.
0: It's interesting you mentioned Simcoe County because Premier Doug Ford said, uh, following the news this week, that his phone has been ringing off the hook from other mayors from other regions wanting to do the same thing and he mentioned Durham, York region, Simcoe County. So my my thing is where this becomes a slippery slope, right? Like who, mm-hmm. who and with every every with every split it's never amicable. So there's going to be winners, there's going to be losers. Uh and how far does this thing go? Like will Toronto at some point will will, will, will Scarborough want to leave? Will North York? Will Etobicoke? So it's just one of those things, right?
1: Yeah, it is it's is one of those things. Well, um uh, you know, we, we, Toronto went through amalgamation, um, years ago, and we're still paying for that. So it's, a uh, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough go. It's, uh, and I, I, I am sure there are municipalities that have called saying, you know, don't do this to us. We can't afford it. And some saying that we want it. So how you resolve that is, uh, you know, but ab- way above my head, I don't know how you, how they figure that out and how you, uh, resolve all of those who pays for what and who's already paid for perhaps more than their fair share so it's it's those are tough tough decisions
0: yeah i heard something about the alimony payment for mississauga is going to be north of a billion dollars
1: yeah and i well i've heard she disputes that so um that was a really interesting press conference and uh and you realize you know that they're you know politicians are, are are often very, very friendly when they're together, um, but d- not in this case. There was, you could, even through the television screen, feel the tension.
0: Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we have until 2025 to figure it out. We don't know what it's going to look like. It's It's kind of interesting to watch these press conferences because you have Patrick Brown. He kind of feels like he's been slighted. In the relationship, right? It's like he called mm-hmm. it dining and dashing. He doesn't, you know, he wants he wants to, to to work things out. But then you have Mayor Crombie, who's all right. I'm ready to go. And for her, yes. it's like this is no problem. We have it figured out by 2025. This is going to be easy peasy. We're going to have our own separate city halls. We're going to have our own separate city services, and everything is going to work out just the way it's supposed to be.
1: Yeah, it's, it'll, It time will tell with that. And, uh, you know, I understand why they, they're both uh, politicians or both mayors are trying to really fight for their fair share. And that's their job. So, so, uh, so, sometimes that it, it may look, look a lot less, um, amicable than it really is. Um, you know, that the end result is fairly, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, is, is already done, but, uh, uh, time will tell. We'll see what the end result is and who has to pay what.
0: For sure. Another big headline this week, which is, is good news, if especially if you have plans for the long weekend to get out of Dodge, a tentative deal was struck at the 11th hour uh, for a new collective bargaining agreement for 1,800 WestJet and SWOOP pilots before they were set to go on strike yesterday morning. And a membership vote on ratifying the agreement is set to begin in the next few days. And they say that they're scrambling right now to save more than 200 flights that were canceled um, in anticipation of the walk-off. And they're saying that um, maybe just keep checking your for your flight status. Just keep checking your flight status. Now, are we? is this is this all signed, sealed, and delivered, and we're good to go? Or is there just, just like this calm before the upcoming for another storm?
1: Well, you know, I think the first thing I thought about was, boy, since coming out of the pandemic, there has been a lot of union unrest. And I think it's a reflection of just how much stress, uh, you know, it was experienced during the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. It's just, uh, it's just a lot of union unrest Been a lot of, uh, Strikes uh, or th- strike actions or threats of strikes, and even the threat of a, um, a labor disruption causes disruption in and of itself. And we saw that. And uh, I, I, have a, I have a story to tell you. I have a friend named Paul. It's not the same Paul that's li- apparently living in, in uh, Brad Bradford's basement. Right. I will, I will tell you that, but a different friend, Paul, who um, he, uh, yeah, his flight was canceled. And he had a very critical uh, meeting he had to get to. And then in the middle of that had a a family emergency that he had to get to, and he just couldn't get a flight. Other flights with other companies were also, um, uh, you know, they were feeling the effect because they were taking uh, more people were coming to them for their flights. So he really had a, a hard time even though there wasn't a strike, it was just a threat of a labor disruption. So mm-hmm. they are disruptive They um, because, and, and, you know, people lose money. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, impacts of it. So, so it was, and it was disappointing to see it because we're just get seem to be getting some sense of normalcy with our airlines. And when you fly and it, you know, as if it wasn't stressful enough coming out of a pandemic and all those worries, um, if you had to worry, your flight was being canceled, or it was going to be delayed by hours, or you couldn't get your luggage, and all of those different stressors, and the chaos in the that we saw in the, the stations, we um, we were just starting to figure that out. My last two flights weren't too bad. I had delays, but uh, you know, I didn't uh, I didn't uh, I, I took my luggage with me, which had it in and of itself has its own challenges now because everyone is doing that. But, um, and there was, you know, getting room on your plane is, can be a challenge, but, uh, but otherwise it was pretty uneventful, which is how you want any sort of commute. You want it to be uneventful with no stories to tell your family when you, uh, you get there or you don't get there. So um, it, it was kind of disappointing to see, but I guess expected coming out of the pandemic.
0: It is, and it, this couldn't have come at a better time, at least for for their for their tentative deal, heading into the summer vacation season, where a lot of people are going to be start are going to start traveling, if not already at this point for the May May two four weekend.
1: Yes, exactly right. Yeah,
0: I had earlier on Daryl Conanbelt, and he's too is a communication strategist, and we were kind of picking apart some some top headlines of the week. And I was asking him opinion, his opinion about it and how he would handle it. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you the same type of, same type of questions, excuse me. Um, So the Toronto mayoral race happening, of course, and we had our first debate or this week. So out of the six, from a strategic and communications perspective, who do you think won the debate or got their message across the most effective?
1: Hmm. That's a tough one. I, I am, a, I want to say that right up front, I'm an undecided at this point, but I'm keenly interested in the mayoral election. So I watched it uh, start to finish mm-hmm. and I will watch all the debates because I, it helps inform my, my, uh, my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, this debate was interesting. I liked the format. I liked, um, I liked the questions, um, the speed in which, uh, they, the uh, uh, the moderator, of course, was, uh, uh, was brilliant and I really liked uh, the way Maggie handled it, it and kept uh, them on target. So, so it helped me. So uh, that being said, it didn't help. I didn't come out of it going, now I know who I'm going to vote for. Mm-hmm. So I just, I didn't see a clear uh, winner from my own personal perspective of who I'm going to vote for. But I did see, uh, get some clarity on some of the policies and what they would do as mayor and what kind of mayor there they will they will be so i did like uh anabella i i liked the way she um you know what she spoke so maybe what i I do will say that that i thought the women uh handled uh the whole evening the best of the bunch and i um mitzi hunter impressed me as well so so I, i i i'm getting closer to who I'm going to vote for, but I'm not there yet.
0: Now, what advice would you say to the candidates, all, of, all 102 candidates, what advice would you give them on uh, how they can deliver their campaign publicly uh, more effectively if they haven't done so already?
1: Um, well, I think what I would do, and some of them are, and sometimes they are, and then they're not, um, but I think the attacks on each other um at least it for me it does not uh it makes me very uncomfortable i don't like it doesn't help me make my decision at all so um even when a candidate slams you if you can resist take the high road and not address that stick to your messages about policy and what you're going to do and uh and just and stay that stay that course if your uh, opponents um Point out something in your past that uh, is clearly truthful, but uh, is uh, you have uh, good answers for it, then address those without coming across uh, attacking um, uh, the other, the whoever, whoever is uh, you know exploiting that piece of your history. Because we all have histories, and you, we, and then it come, they come out during um, elections, especially with polit- politicians. That's often the way they fight. But if you can just resist that, I think the public has lost their tolerance for any kind of attacking um, of, of each other. And, and it, so I would just stay away from that. At least it's a, uh, it's the way um, uh, you know, uh, I would handle it. I would, I really like to see more specifics though. So these the big promises um i would you know for example i and i penned a an editorial in for the star uh this week about safety on the ttc it's really super important to me mm-hmm. and i would really like to see some more details about how you would do it that that don't cost uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars there are um immediate kinds of solutions that we can implement that uh that um, would be really helpful in, in making people feel safer on TTC, which is really super important right now. So I, I would like to see more details, but we've still got a little bit of time in the election. So um, I, I guess that's uh, my my ad- advice. It says always take the high road.
0: Well said. There was another big story that came out this week uh, regarding actually the TTC and and and, and MetroLinks and how <laughs> – um, they are going to be delayed again again uh, which we kind of already knew was going to, was gonna happen so if you were like their communication strategist at this point we're talking about people being impatient and uh, you know the, the the budget we know for this has ballooned exponentially uh, they're not looking good uh, by any means uh, so how 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 would you kind of like get the, the public trust back into believing that the Eglinton LRT <laughs> will run at some point and hopefully in the near future?
1: Um, I, well, I first a caveat that uh, I was uh, the spokesperson for Metrolinks a hot minute ago and mm-hmm. a lot of people still think I am and I don't want to confuse anybody And I, but I have been gone for, I don't know, five months now so I'm kind of out of the loop. So I don't want to speak specifically about this project, where it is, what they can. But what what I can say, but if you have... Uh, bad news to deliver to the public that they're going to be disappointed in that they're going to be frustrated uh that sort of thing then there are principles you can put in place on how you deliver it um and it uh and uh, th- those are the, always the same advice i give to people is one you have to be fully transparent you have to be fully available to the media to uh, to back up the whatever it is you have to say you have to lead with compassion because people are going to be upset. They want to know that you appreciate just how um, upsetting this is and uh, frustrating it is and, and that the, how their patience wore out. Um, so avoid that saying, thank you for your patience because nobody's patient anymore. So you, you don't, that's not a message that resonates with people when mm-hmm. they're not feeling patient. So um, it's, you know, and do that and to be repeat that over and over again. You have to be available. You have to be transparent. You have to be compassionate. Give the updates and the information about whatever it is you're delivering and make sure you're, you're uh, available to, um, to, to provide that information regularly to, uh, to the public.
0: And then there's some folks who provide too much information, more than we need or more than we ask for, like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle this week were, were, were in New York City attending some gala, and then following the gala, they were supposedly, according to their team, were involved in a near-catastrophic event claiming that the paparazzi were ch- was chasing them for two hours on the streets of New York City. And not everyone's buying it. Uh, I was watching one interview with the cab driver, And he was pretty nonchalant. Like, I don't know what they're talking about. Like I, we, we were driving regular speeds in, this is New York city. So maybe it's a cultural difference. Maybe New York city driving very different than LA or London or even Toronto. Um, but what, what do you make of that story when you first, when that first came on your radar?
1: Oh, I probably rolled my eyes when I first uh, started to hear about it because if I was advising them, I would certainly say, "Shut the hell up." <laughs> and it, but if they were paying me to say it, I would say that in a more in a kinder way that they really need to just take a break from the uh, public life right now. Whether it's uh, commenting and complaining, uh, I don't think anyone's buying it anymore. The the constant complaining and a victimhood that they put forward. So mm. um, I think they just need to be uh, quiet for a while and not, uh, um, you know, talk about how they're feeling harmed by whoever it is they're feeling harmed by. That I think, I, you know, I don't know why they're doing it. is it. Is it post-traumatic stress for for him or, or her? Or I don't know why, but uh, it isn't really working. I'm not sure what their goal is. Are they trying to... Gain uh, public uh, sympathy—it's not working. Um, so sometimes you have to take uh, whoever you're providing advice to back to what are you trying to achieve, and sometimes they can't answer that question. And if they can't answer that question, then you shouldn't be talking about it.
0: That well so, said. Uh, <laughs> okay. in, in, well, you know, you know this. Being in the media, always know you're out. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Like, if you don't, if you're just gonna talk for the sake of talking and try to hopefully find yourself in the conversation, it, it generally, in my experience, has never worked out. You just look like a fool. But always know you're out. So yeah, find what find what you're doing, and find uh, you know. At this point, I think they should just fire their entire PR team. <laughs> I think so too. Start yeah. from scratch. Maybe hire you. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> Uh, well, Ann, thanks so much for your time today. Where can people find you and and all the great work that you're doing?
1: Well, I'm just beginning my uh, my uh, solo career in providing and this, and uh, most people are getting me through LinkedIn. And uh, so go there until I have all uh, my website and everything set up. But I, you can find me and all my details on LinkedIn, and uh, uh, I'll see what I can do to help you.
0: Anne-Marie Aikens, award-winning media and crisis communications coach. Thanks so much, Anne. Have yourself a great weekend. Oh, yeah, you too. All right, more coming up with Toronto this weekend on 640 Toronto. Stick around.